0: This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits.
1: Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asian to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian.
0: And my name is Maggie. And today we have two special guests with us. They are Miko Chen and Megan Bruin. Miko is a Taiwanese American entrepreneur and diversity champion. The Los Angeles native turned New Yorker is driven by building scalable platforms that aim to shift societal norms and create greater equity across all mediums. Miko co leads Gold House's success arm, including the top accelerator for Asian led businesses, Gold Rush. He has made it a mission to unite all types of entrepreneurs you <laughs> and inspire the next generation of community and business leaders. Megan is a Chinese-American entrepreneur, investor, and advocate based in New York City. Born and raised in the Midwest, she is passionate about building communities in which women and minorities have equal access to mentorship, funding, and media representation. Megan co-heads Gold House's initiatives for founder and investor success. Over the past 18 months, Megan, Nico, and their team have built Gold Rush from the ground up creating a program that provides one-on-one advisorship, networking, and educational seminars to hundreds of founders. Nico and Megan, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: We're super excited to have you guys today. And that's an impressive introduction. But I want to hear a little more about you guys as well, like where you guys grew up, what was your upbringing like, and why are you so driven to help the Asian community?
2: Absolutely. Um, I can go first. So I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Um, so Midwest, very homogenous community growing up, not a lot of people that looked like me. And so for me, I have a sister. So luckily I had, you know, one other person that shared my experience. Um, It was very, it was very different um, from what I experience now having lived on the East Coast for several years, having gone to college on the East Coast and now working in New York City. So I think uh, the biggest takeaway that I have from my upbringing is that it's difficult to not grow up with a community of people that look like you and it's really, really important to try to build that for others so that they can get it as soon as possible in their adolescence um, and so that they don't have to wait until they're, you know, 24, 25, post-college, like well into their first career, having made potentially life-altering decisions based on not having um, that type of community.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really powerful too. And, you know, that story really resonates to me. Me, I mean, one that early uh use cases that we have for asian hustle network was you know asians who were born in the midwest and we felt like there's a need to feel like they're a part of the community so we wanted to create asian hustle network to solve that problem because I, I know nico and i can relate and he can share a story in a bit and we grew up in a heavily asian area where we never felt like we were minorities at all if anything we felt like we were majority <laughs> all the time yeah and yeah. feeling the need to create that network for people outside our area or circle is really important for AHN. And I really like what you guys do at Gold Nico, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, of
3: course. Um, yeah. So, Miko, I I grew up in um, the suburbs of LA. Um, if people know Diamond Bar. Uh, it is predominantly um, Asian. And so, you know, uh, to, to really echo what M- Megan just talked about in terms of like growing up without a community and, and kind of that, piece you know I relate a lot to that just you know in my experiences being a gay man, you know, I grew up in Diamond Bar. Which was very Christian. It was actually quite hard to come out, uh, especially as a gay man and having at that time, pretty conservative tiger parents, Asian parents. Um, but you know, I think that that's kind of why I think this, this community piece and building this kind of tribe was so important and, and why it's important for probably many of us is that, you know, we don't want to feel alone. You know, I I've tried to start companies in the past and I, and I've gone through many startups and that journey is super lonely. And and what I want, and what Megan, probably you guys as well, is that to build that community so we can really coalesce together. We can share 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 war stories, share resources, mentors, guidance, etc. Um, and, and that is just so invaluable. And you know, than money and you know all these different things. It's it's really about having that connection in that time. So I think for me, it's you know being being kind of alone when I was younger, um, uh, and then now. Uh, building kind of these platforms and communities to really strive together is is super important for us.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, we always have people who are joining AHN. And they're looking for some sort of like community organization. And it's once you find that commonality, it's, it's you know, without the community, it's very hard for you to like understand and have people understand your story. Mm-hmm. So just to find that like common ground for you to like connect with others and for you to like share stories of like how your parents immigrated here, you know, the type of values and that they installed in you. It's like very important.
1: Yeah, I also want to add that both you guys yeah. are really brave. You yeah. Know? like starting out and building your community as well, like for gold house is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many situations where it's so unexpected. And you're like, wow, like I, didn't <laughs> know, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I know people can do that way. Um, but I do want to take some time to talk a little more about gold house too. And, how it got started, its mission statement, and, you know, especially I want you guys to cover Gold Rush, you know, I think it's a great, great initiative. You know,
3: just to, to talk a little about Gold House itself, so Gold House is a nonprofit. profit uh, it's aimed to empower the Asian community uh, to live more authentic lives, to be more successful, and to live longer lives. Uh, Megan and I, as you, as you said before, we co-lead the success arm of Gold House, which consists of three pieces. So the first is that Gold Rush Accelerator, the second is the founder network, and the third is the angel network. You know, we truly wanted to create an ecosystem where uh, that focuses on founder success, um, and you know, this this origin story uh, of Gold Rush um, is is it's it, it goes back uh, probably a year and, and change ago. So, uh, you know, when I Uh, I told you before that I try to pursue creating a startup in the past. You know, I wanted to focus on a company, um, that focuses on mental health for men specifically. And during this time, I just, I was having a really difficult time finding a community of like-minded Asian founders, to be honest. And and actually this is before H1 was born. Um, and, and during that time as well, I, you know, I decided to create a super lightweight version of what Goal Rush is today. And at that time I also had met just met Bing Chen who is a gold House's chairman and I explained to him you know what that vision was for gold rush and uh, ultimately, we decided to really merge the ideas. I had known about Gold House and its successes through you know Gold Open, which promotes and celebrates um, Asian-led films, um, and I knew that with the full backing of Gold House itself, you know, honestly, I felt like we could really achieve anything. Um, and at that time, uh, it just made a lot more sense for us to do that. So, about a month or so after that meeting, you know, I signed on to be the first venture director of Gold Rush, um, and you know, we say phrase a lot, but I think it actually was a true example of of the phrase, you know, we can wait for a seat at the table or we can create our own. And, um, you know, I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I decided that we need to build one. Um, But I think what truly, truly was really pivotal in the growth and expansion of the success arm and Gold Rush itself was actually bringing on Megan um, as my co-director to truly allow for that arm to transpire. Um, Megan, do you actually want to talk quickly about you know some of the network how the accelerator's grown the network the founder network and angel just given that um you've worked on it quite extensively obviously with with us and the team
2: yeah so just to put gold rush also into like the wider gold house context and you guys might already know this but gold house originated and a lot of the um, founding members were really pivotal pieces of the entertainment and media business. And that's why the first kind of runaway success for Gold House was Gold Open, because they had this media and PR engine, this firepower, and they realized they were able to harness it to support agents in film, agents in um, other types of media and what have you. And so I think when we first decided we were going to then redirect that into Gold Rush, um, we realized that one of the differentiating things that we can do for founders is really, really help accelerate their brands. So our gold rush accelerator, is not only about educating founders and pairing them with mentors who can help them one-on-one and hold their hands through the tough parts of starting a business, but also really um, getting their brands out to influencers, to people who can um, take it from, you know, zero to 100 much more quickly than you can if you just chip away at the brand. So Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot of success success doing that with the Gold Rush Accelerator, but what we realized was the scale is so small compared to the type of impact that we were hoping to have. Mm -hmm. For us to work with 10 to 15 founders twice a year, that's what 30 to 40 companies max. And so what we realized is we really wanted to expand this and that was the impetus for the founder network, which we just launched actually a couple of months ago. The founder network is kind of, um, you can think of it as gold rush light. So you get a similar experience to founders going through the accelerator in a slightly less um, intimate way and you're part of a much larger cohort of Asian founders, um, who are all, you know, starting companies across a variety of industries at varying stages, um, different types of products and services. But what they all have in common is that they're looking for this community of other like-minded founders who have the experience of being a minority in a very, very tough, um, tough business. So that was why we created the founder network. The the third Leg of Gold House's success arm is our Angel Network. And the reason that we decided to launch the Angel Network is twofold. Um, one, the same type of underrepresentation and um, underfunding. Uh, that Asian entrepreneurs experience is also experienced by Asian investors. And you can see this when you look at the number of Asian fund managers that there are in VC, private equity, you name it. And so um, one of the pieces that we really wanted to focus on was making sure there's also a similar community for Asian investors. So our our angel network encompasses everything from um, institutional VCs who are looking for a uh, ethnicity-based affinity community, um, to angel investors who have some experience investing in startups, to cultural leaders. You know, you can think of celebrities, people who may not have direct experience investing in startups, but are really looking to. And so you can see where I'm going with this, where we're building both sides of the coin where we have not only um, one of the most extensive capital networks in existence um, among Asian investors, but also the capacity to connect them with founders who are, um, you know, high promise, um, high potential and happen to be raising capital.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I really love that initiative. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I can't think of any any, any other words.
2: We uh, like to put the puzzle pieces together.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. And then going back to what Miko said earlier as well, he does bring up a really big issue. Like we can't find communities out there like this. You know, why haven't they have, why haven't they been existed for such a long time? Like, why is this all all the stuff they were doing right now so recent? You know, that, that's a huge problem. And you know, when you look to the history of like Asian communities. Like most of the time we had to start our community because no one else did it before us. No one else we're like always underrepresented in many, many different ways. You know? And that's what we, we feel.
2: Yeah,
0: and I feel like a part of the reason also is because it goes back to our generational limiting beliefs, right? From our parents. And they've often told us that we shouldn't raise our voices, you know, we should always stay quiet. And so I think that because of that societal societal norm, people look at us in that certain way, right? And that's why we don't get as much, you know, benefits as other, you know, groups and, and ethnicities. And going back to Miko's point about, you know, finding mental health services for men, I think that relates to, you know, the whole Asian community because mental health is often deemed as something that like doesn't even exist in Asian communities, right? And if we talk to our parents about mental health, most of the time they don't even think it's actually a real thing, right? And so that's why a, a goal for Asian, and I'm sure like a goal, for, a goal for Gold House, of course, is so that we can talk more about mental health and create these opportunities more for Asian communities. I also read in Megan's bio that gold brush companies have raised over 250 million in funding so far. So that's incredible to hear. Um, Congratulations on all of that success. So Brian and I, you know, since running AHN, we have, Um, started this community since November 2019 and you know due to COVID we've experienced a lot of you know just occurrences where you know people will ask us questions like oh why are you guys supporting this community you know why don't you guys take out the word Asian so that you guys can just be hustle network you know little things like that that try to steer us in a certain direction um, and try to tell us like you guys should do this and you guys should do that. Why aren't you guys you know, benefiting all communities rather than just the Asian community? Have you guys dealt with any struggles in that sense for Gold House? And have you guys had any experiences where people had told you to steer the direction of Gold House in a certain direction?
2: So what I will say is people always want to give their opinion and opinions are very welcome. We We definitely want to incorporate the voices of our community as we build. In terms of um, incorporating other communities, besides just the Asian community, it's definitely something that we have thought about since the very beginning, that Gold has, mm-hmm. has thought about since day one and something that we've really brought into fruition over the last uh, six months or so with our All of Us movement. So you guys, um, if, if, if you aren't aware, the All of Us movement uh, essentially seeks to Bind our community with our black and brown sister and brother communities um, and make sure that the efforts that we are um, implementing to support founders to support small businesses um, are more encompassing of just and and even though goldhouse is pan-asian we are not just focused on East Asian or Southeast Asian or South Asian it's across all um, they're obviously we're obviously not the only minority um, so we definitely want to be and 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 play that role of rising tide lifting all boats and um, so well, that is what our all of us movement is for, and it's mm-hmm. it's meant to represent the third pillar of Gold House, which is unity.
3: I think just to add on as well, um, you know, I, I I don't think we've received as much about like, hey, you guys should be, um, you know, not just doing this for Asian people and whatnot. But I, I mean, I have heard it in the really early days of Gold Rush itself. Um, I think something that really resonated with uh, with me, especially during those timeframes, was. Um, um, there's two things. One is, uh, I know you guys had Patrick as uh, one of your uh, co- um, uh, interviewees as well, but uh, you know Patrick talks a lot about focus, and I think it's really important to recognize, especially when you're in the beginning stages, that you really should focus on like what you can do, what you should be doing, and and doing it super 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 well. And I think that's really important to to understand, especially as an entrepreneur, and you know even as even as an advisor. Or a mentor to tell people that like, Hey, make sure you get this right before you can expand your value proposition or even expanding it to a different target audience. So I think that's one really thing that really resonated with me, especially as I started out doing this alone, uh, uh and that advice being given to uh, from me, from Patrick. Um, and I think the second really big thing later on, you know, is, are you guys the right platform to be doing, even be doing that? And so, um, you know, I think many people reach out to, you know, me, Megan, the goldhouse team for a gamut of things. They're like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can we do this? Sure. Da, da, da? And and you know, I think that's it's great. I think it's great that we've built enough clout and prestige and, and reputation for us to be that person uh, or, or that organization to be called on to do X, Y, and Z things. But are we the right organization to be doing that specific piece? The answer could be yes, but the answer also could be no. And in and, and that route, maybe it's, it's a better option for people to partner with someone who's better suited to, to kind of do that piece. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's a kind of different way to look at it. And that that's some of the advice I would give if someone were kind of like redirecting um, uh, some advice for you to, to be more expansive or expand even before you're ready to or even
1: should be doing yeah that's really really good advice you know and that's classic patrick right there (laughs)
0: like
1: during our podcast as well he's like he He also (laughs) focused yeah he also talked
0: about focus
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's awesome that you know you guys are focusing but one thing i'm kind of curious about as well how did your cultural upbringing help you sort of pick a niche that you want to focus on within gold house and gold rush that part always intrigues me a lot because from my background, I really love the entrepreneurial side. I love being business. I love meeting people. When it came time to start my own community, like it kind of linked into everything that I grew up with, you know, my cultural identity, uh, my, my hobbies. I love listen to, listening to like CNN's great big story. I used to be an avid follower of humans in New York. With Team Khan to create Asian House Network, I wanted to embody all these things. So I'm kinda of curious too, like what kind of factors in your personal life help you make decisions that pick that help you guys pick a niche for Gold Rush and Gold House?
3: You know, and um to answer a question about what I, how I found my way through the many ventures and many opportunities, I think at Gold House specifically is, you know, I, I grew up. Um, so little context is, you know, my dad started his own company. Um, and he wrote com and technology boom. And in seeing that, um, you know, from zero to what it is today and whatnot was incredible. It was like, I, I was like that kid who really wanted to know, you know, how to build startups and like, what does it take from go to zero employees to 10 to hundred, you know, all, all that jazz. I was just enamored by it and, and just in shock of like this kind of experience. And, um, on the flip side though, you know, I also saw honestly a little bit how, a little bit lonely that journey is and, you know, how much struggle that is, especially for immigrant parents, you know, trying to make it in the U.S. and, and in Asia and et cetera. Like, I saw both sides of kind of like the exciting piece of it and also that journey of doing this alone and then having a lot of obstacles on, on the way. And so I think a lot of that led to me wanting to dive into the startup world in general. And then from there, I was just really passionate about figuring out how to become the best operator, how to really grow and scale companies from the ground up. Um, and I think I've taken that kind of like passion and behaviors and kind of those learnings to to find what Goal Rush uh, and, and that concept is, which truly really is to really nurture um, and, and help and support founders to, to, to grow, uh, whether it's a funding perspective. Whether it's this development, whether it's marketing or brand uh, situation, I think from those perspectives, I was it, it's it's for me. It's always just like, uh, how can I how can I best help you guys? How can I best help serve this piece? Um, more so because I'm just super interested about helping founders and and those startups. Um, Having seen it uh, when I was growing up.
2: I think my story has um, a lot of parallels to Nico and a couple of differences that have led me to, and I know this won't be a satisfying answer, but not really have a niche. Um, the way I would explain that is so, my parents are also immigrants to the US, and they both came to the States on government scholarships to get their graduate, to pursue graduate education. And so, for them, this idea of security was always. number one and their hope for their children was always to be able to make a steady living not necessarily venture too far out of their comfort zone and not to take um, outsized risk so that was always this concept that was drilled into me was like you know find a well-paying job that allows you to support a family I think that's not that's not unique at all to the Asian to the first generation um, experience so What that resulted in, though, and this kind of goes back to my earlier comment about timing, is that I never met an entrepreneur until well into college. Um, So for me, the idea of starting my own business was so foreign and out of the out of the realm of what I would ever imagine that. Now, it's almost ironic that I, you know, volunteer for a nonprofit building their founder accelerator. Um, But I think what it taught me is that I really wanted to be there to create this type of community for others like me, others who may not have had this kind of example set before them at a young age and maybe could have benefited from seeing that and and having the kind of reassurance um, and and security net that if they are to take this leap, it's going to be okay. So I think that's why working on our founder and investor initiatives is so valued, valuable to me and also I think propels you know, my, my professional interests on top of um, even on top of Goldhouse which is you know, I think investing in these startups um, is one of the most impactful things that you can do. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I can absolutely resonate with that. And I think a lot of Asian people can resonate with that as well. I grew up my family, you know, I come from a very non entrepreneurial background. And none of my family members are entrepreneurs. And my parents had expected me to, you know, just go to college, get a well paying job and retire at the age of 65. Um, you know, very typical Asian parents. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely, I mean, I I wish I met you guys a lot earlier Mm -hmm. into my early 20s because with my childhood, it's slightly more different. My parents escaped Mm -hmm. the Vietnam War. And when they came here, they were extremely poor. In fact, we were so poor. I was in welfare throughout my entire childhood and my teenage years. And when I got to college, like, I i didn't know what entrepreneur was i didn't know what it meant i thought that my parents became entrepreneurs because they had to become entrepreneurs you couldn't speak english that well
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and you know for myself at least growing up i never ate out at all i never went to any american restaurants like going to eat denny's i remember going to denny's my first time in college and my friends like this is denny's bro i'm like dude denny's like it's awesome and everyone made fun of me because i couldn't hold a fork correctly because no one taught me to you know, that was like really like that poor, like I was wearing the same clothes for like the majority of high school and college. And I kind of see what you guys are building here, the value that you bring. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not just the community, it's the mindset and the connections, what's possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And I sort of wish that we met each other at a much younger age, because I think that we can totally collaborate in our early twenties decent and crazy. But I still think that we have time, time right now to still collaborate using and the crazy. And yeah, I love what you're doing. I'm just thinking back to my own life, my own childhood. I'm like, damn, I wish I had this before, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself a super late bloomer. But I didn't think it was possible until I've been my my mid twenties where I'm like, oh, my coworker has side hustle. What the hell is a side hustle? <laughs> <laughs> i I just i mean
3: just to quickly comment on that i think one thing i think is really important is like one it's better late than ever that one we're collaborating right now and i think it's important for more organizations like us to really come you know uh uh be more cohesive to partner together i think there's like this uh instant thing where like oh they're doing something similar therefore we're immediate competition. And I, I don't really, I don't think me Megan or any of the test team, by the way, sees it as that form is that we amplify each other and we're all here for the same cause and we're not here to, you know, butt heads on situations. I'm sure like there's, there's a way to, I always think there's a win-win solution in all these scenarios. And I think it's important for us to, to have an open dialogue about what's going on and how do we really amplify and build each other and co-elevate together. I think that's a really, really important factor. Um, and I think through that, to be fully honest, like, it, it's to, to what you're saying. Like, I, I would, what we want, or at least when I first started uh, this idea of gold rushes, you know, I wanted to. Be able to share stories and to uh, and and show people that like we are we're making it. We're creating our own table. We're creating our own businesses. To yes, to accelerate you know the current and the present founder base that we have now. But truly, it is also to inspire the next generation of Asian leaders. Like we we are kind of setting the framework and the foundation and the groundwork of of those people, just as the people generation before us did for us to even be able to do. A, a podcast to be able to cater an accelerator um, and, and whatnot. And so I think that's really important for us to, to know and then to, to to band together for.
0: agree. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Brian and I talk about that all the time. Non-competition.
1: And, we need more
3: of exactly. us. Exactly.
0: And I'm sure, you know, <laughs> after gold house was founded i'm sure you have seen a lot more you know organizations mm-hmm. try to start the same thing and that's what we experienced for asian hustle network as well you know after we started the facebook group we started seeing many many more facebook groups and i'm sure it was with, you know covid as well where people just wanted to bring the asian community together yeah. but you know just similar to what you said miko it's not a competition and if we do see it as a competition then that defeats the purpose right our goal is so that we can bring the Asian community together. Yeah. And it's really interesting because we see other ethnicities create the same thing. I think there was someone who reached out to us and said that they wanted to start a Latino coastal network. And to us, it was more of like, wow, that's that's amazing. You know, that's that's an amazing movement that we're starting. And for us to be that inspiration for other communities as well is just very inspirational. And
1: going back to what you said as well, like our culture is rooted in competition. Yeah. Like Wikipedia's our siblings, our cousins, yes. our friends.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like, of time, yeah. like times of war. Our ethnicities in the Asian culture, we compete with each other too. Like the Vietnamese always sticks with the Vietnamese people, the Chinese sticks with the Chinese. And, you know, Brian always says that our culture is very fragmented, you know, and mm-hmm. we have to find a way for us to, you know, bring ourselves together because we're all, you know, we have this commonality, we all have the same goals. Why don't we come together and reach them together? You know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, I, sorry, just one more thing. I actually wanted to comment, especially since I grew up in you know on the West Coast. And you, you too as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the what was really interesting about moving from the West Coast to New York mm-hmm. was this idea of um, this this concept of Asian helping other Asians wasn't as common. And you know, I grew, I went to UCSC, I went to San, I lived in San Francisco for four years. Like, I grew up in LA like you're just friends with everybody people want to support you Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i moved to the east coast and this is not to bag on the east coast or anything but like (laughs) it was truly a time frame where i actually felt like whoa, i'm a minority like i am like i am an asian person and if you're in a room and there are two asian people or whatnot i think it's like wow okay who's going to be that token Asian person who's going to survive the circle? And it was similar in when I was in startup in, in technology where, yeah, like I was one of the few uh, person of color managers who who was in the room. And I'm just like, guys, like I would love for another person to be here, not for a competition factor for us to celebrate and to be, to, to really drive this business together or to, to really collaborate together. Um, so I think that's, a, that was an interesting distinction to kind of like feel as I like, like transitioned uh, the coasts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's good to know. I mean we have considered moving to New York sometime pretty soon. <laughs> but yeah. partner up <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: definitely
1: want to hear from you as well and your thoughts on this.
2: Um, specifically regarding like the the community aspect yeah. or
1: no, I'm just kind of curious about like what Nico said about the East Coast and how what your experience oh. with New York's like
2: well I work in finance so I think that's all I need to say Um, (laughs) I think it's it's even more so here here's what I'll say I moved to the east coast fully expecting it to be a foreign experience and fully expecting there to be a lot of rooms that I walked into where I was the only woman the only person of color or both and that has definitely played out um I think that what I've, the attitude that I've kind of taken is, um, if you can be different and better, then do it. And if you can turn it to your advantage and have, and kind of um, surprise people with, either your knowledge or your empathy or um, your ability to connect to others, um, even when you don't look like anyone else who's around you, then you should lean into that. So that's kind of the approach that I've taken. My first job out of college was at a, a big bank. And so I it was kind of a sink or swim situation. And I think a lot of us um, are familiar with what that's like. Um, but I think a lot of us do think because it just feels very foreign and, and sometimes very um, unwelcoming. And so I think like New York is kind of, you know, New Yorkers are not known for being the nicest people in the world, um, whether or not that's true. And I think it's, it just takes a tough, a tough skin a little bit. Um, But I think that it, what it means is when you do find people that feel like a tribe, that feel like a community, you cling to them even, even closer. And that's part of the reason why actually Gold House has been so meaningful to me is being able to find a safe space and find people who've shared my experience and, and make that journey a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, I love that a lot too and to echo about people in New York not being nice, I we do agree sometimes because <laughs> we visit New York a good amount of times, and every time we open the door for someone, no one, no one ever says thank you. I'm like, oh, that's kind of awesome. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I went to New York with Brian once, and I asked someone to take a picture for us, and he said no. <laughs> I said, thank you for the honesty. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll bring the, the SoCal hospitality. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm um, just to kind of bring the topic back to like Gold House yep. and whatnot. Um, we want to hear more about what's next for you guys. Like, mm-hmm. how are you guys navigating your COVID situation? How has it evolved in, since the very beginning to now? Mm-hmm. And what have you seen in the community too? Like, have pe- people been more helping, panicking, uh, more innovative, more scar- scarcity or abundance mindset? What's it, how, what is your observation like? I think
3: uh, just to quickly comment on, you know, the pandemic itself, I honestly think this is, providing our founders new room to create more space to pivot to even ask for more help like i, I think it's it's interesting because you know megan and i have we deal with so many founders at this point and just really on an intimate basis you know whether it's talking about you know temporary like financial relief or them doing a campaign to support hospitals and health systems during this time frame or even doing promotional like it's just a gamut of things and and to me, it's, it's, it's been really actually awesome to kind of see like, well, how do we help you? Great. Like we actually have to think on our feet a little bit more about like, okay, we are the right people who can, uh, who are industry leaders, who can be mentors and advisors to really help navigate the situation that n- not every, no one knows like what's going to happen ultimately. But I think the, what the pandemic has caused is create this new playground uh, and different role sets that it does leave a lot more room to for business growth and expansion and an opportunity um and so from that perspective i think it it's allowed for honestly me and megan one to keep up keep us on our toes but two to just really critically think about how can you best support them in in the most um effective and, and um um impactful way um I don't know if you feel differently about
2: that. <laughs> I, think you, I think you hit a lot of really good points, Nico. I think um, what COVID really did for us that I think was a huge favor was force us to adapt to this virtual environment in a way that actually made our programming a lot more scalable. So in the past, we had worked with a lot of founders just by happenstance that happened to be based either in New York, LA, or San Francisco because those were kind of our strongholds where we had... Um, physical representation and were we able to host a lot of in-person events. Um, Now with everything being via zoom or via some other type of online platform, uh, it's actually made it um, feel more accessible. And now we have founders in all kinds of cities um, and they don't feel like because they aren't in one of the three places that we're hosting in-person events that they're left out of the program. Um, I, I also think that it Migo's absolutely right, like it, COVID forced us to become so innovative. So just to get to share a specific example, back in the spring we were working with a ton of food and beverage founders, and as you guys know COVID hit the restaurant industry particularly harshly. So one of the things that we're very proud of um, this year was partnerships with um, food delivery platforms, including Postmates, um, and we were able to drive Ton of traffic to Asian restaurants um, across the country, purely by uh, collaborating to have these carousels that featured Asian restaurants and pushed them to the top of people's feeds, and and made it really apparent and kind of was that like little behavioral nudge that people needed to then go back and and support these brick and mortar these brick and mortar businesses. So I think. Um, There were actually a lot of positive results as silver linings to everything that's been going on. And in terms of uh, our future plans for expansion, it really made us think about what do we want this to look like in three years? What do we want this to look like in five years? How are we going to create something that lasts beyond either Miko or me and our current team? How do we make something that stands on its own?
1: wow it's oh, yes. extremely powerful yeah. i i love that so much especially the last name as well we, we always think about like how can we create asian hustle network that would last longer than us because mm-hmm. this is something that's still needed with or without us for our communities you know and mm-hmm. listening to listen to what you just said about you know having working with postmates and pushing more asian restaurants on top and that brings more it highlights more importance that you know we need to step up and we need to keep advocating for support to our communities you know like no one else is going to do that for us mm-hmm. and unfortunately not a lot of us are speaking up you know mm-hmm. only some of us are when some of us speak up it only creates little waves when all of us speak up it creates a bigger wave it makes bigger change and i i want to advocate that more and more for the asian community like you need to speak up Like, we need to stand up. Like, a lot of us are just taking things as they come.
3: Mm -hmm. You
1: know, we're not... We're not too reactive to a situation, which is a good and bad thing, you know. In, in Asian culture, it's like okay, something bad happens is a test, like it's testing your determination, your will, all all of all of jazz. But like for this type of situation, it's a new playing field, it's a new board game, it's a new generation. but like, we can't sit back and just take it as punishment or take it as like a test. You know, it's not a test. Like we're trying to make a change, and I really like. That you guys are doing this initiative a lot
0: yeah and i think um you know miko mentioned earlier that you know you guys are laying the foundation for the next generation i think that's really important to point out too because a lot of people have this mentality where you know why do you guys even do anything You know, you guys won't be changing anything. Um, It doesn't matter how much work you put into it. Everything will stay the same. That's the mentality that people have, that some people have. But it's, it's, I think we see it more as like, if we don't do anything, we're actually heading downhill instead, you know, for us to create these movements and for the next generation to see them that gives them inspiration to do something for their own generation. And it will you know, more so create this trickle effect and it'll, you know, go down to more and more generations. So I think it's really important for us to speak up, like Brian said.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so very curious, you know, with the time that you guys have um, started Gold House, have you guys been experiencing any like struggles or challenges with any of the initiatives that you've had with gold rush, gold open, you know, what are some of the challenges that you faced and how did you guys overcome it?
3: Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about a little bit. I think to be honest, the, uh, I don't think we've had <laughs> immense struggles outside of the transition period. And I don't think I call it, I don't think it would be a struggle per se. I think because, and this is for everybody too, is that as the pandemic shifted, uh, Sorry, not shifted as it came. Um, you know, me and Megan really had to like shift gears really quickly. How do we readjust and create this program that really um, uh, provides a platform and, and mechanism and machine to to really support these these founders, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to think about it too. Like Gold Rush and all of Gold House minus um, two people are volunteers. We all have a day job, right. Megan's an investor, I lead, uh, ops for a, a, a healthcare startup, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously is a little bit intense right now. But, you know, I think from that perspective, it was, you know, how do we really pivot in the right ways really quickly to make sure that we can um, still support the founders that are in our alumni base who are incoming. And then, you um, while running kind of our full-time jobs and supporting ourselves and taking care of ourselves as that is is also really important. So I, I think for that perspective, I actually think it was a really fun exercise for me and Megan to be able to be like, okay, what do we do um, given our service and our platform and how do we actually expand our value proposition to, to be able to accommodate for the changing environments that we have at this moment? Um, So, so yeah, that, that I think would be like something that we've, we had to deal with in the past year.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I think also, um, Just with regards to a more ongoing challenge, I think as we support all these entrepreneurs across different industries, across sectors, Mm -hmm. across um, stages in in whether it be their fundraising or their other types of development, um, we tend to think of like taking on the challenges of our founders as our own challenges. And so because of that, there are so many layers to the types of service and the types of support that we need to create. And I think that has been the challenge in terms of how do we build out an advisor program that can not only help uh, a company that you know sells e-commerce Mm -hmm. like retail products versus one that is a CPG company. How do we make sure that the experience and the type of programming and the speakers that we bring in are relevant to people across the board? That has definitely been a learning experience for us. I think um, for both of us though, um, or maybe I'll just speak for myself. I had a, the way I kind of dealt with this was to have a mindset shift to say like, we are also entrepreneurs and creators. Um, alongside the founders that we're working with. And I think the moment I started giving myself that freedom and and flexibility to think of myself also as an entrepreneur alongside them. Um, it allowed me to think bigger and remove some of these kind of like self-imposed mental limits on what we could do um, for our program, for our founders, and be able to visualize what what else we might be able to build.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really powerful too. And to, we can totally relate the last statement as well. Sometimes we kind of reevaluate everything and suddenly we feel like anything that we want to do is really possible but that's also the scary feeling too is like oh crap we can do anything what could what we do like what should we do and you feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. all the time you know um out of curiosity too like what does the future look like look like for not only for you guys as individuals but like your organization as well i know that's a big loaded question
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah absolutely so i think for success arms specifically we have a roadmap we have the three pieces of the program that we want to build to create this intimate experience for founders to create a wider network for entrepreneurs of all sorts and then to build this investor network that, um cross-colaborates um, across both of the other ventures. And so I think in terms of Nico and my specific purview for um, founder and investor success, we know what we need to build and we just have to go out and do it. And we have to do it in a way that makes sure that it's sustainable. And if someone, if one of us were to get hit by a car, cop forbid bid, like we'd still be able to, we'd still be able to do this. And we'd be able to bring on someone else who shared our vision and shared our motivation and still be able to build this. I think for Gold House overall, and I don't want to speak for others in the organization, but I do think that the impetus is similar. I think what we're working towards now is building this lasting organization that um, self sustains and is perpetual and continues to build these strong partnerships with other cultural leaders in our community, whether they're Asian or not, and make sure that the members of the Gold House community and the Asian community and the broader um, minority community have access to the same types of resources and representation. So.
3: Yeah, no, I think Megan hit it on the nail. I think ultimately we're, it's time where we need to scale at this point. We got to self-sustain. We got to make sure that we have the right playbooks in place. I think given that we have, you know, been in hyper growth, I'd say for the past uh, two years, it's now time to figure out like, you know, what's the next stage of this, this, this company or this nonprofit or the startup and how can we really make sure that this is going to sustain and. Last for years to come, and do what we both are, are trying to achieve is, is to really inspire the next generation to be that platform and that mechanism for young entrepreneurs, or Gold House members, or just Asian advocates in general. Um, that's kind of really the focus for for Gold House uh, on that mm-hmm. front.
0: Um, we'd love to know, you know, how founders and investors can get involved with Gold
2: House, and what our listeners can do to help with Gold House's initiatives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So to learn more about all of the initiatives, go to goldhouse.org and you will be able to read about all of our initiatives from the A100 list to Gold Open to Gold Rush, the Accelerator to all of these different initiatives for founders and investors. Um, Specifically, we will be hosting our fall um, Black Friday sale starting November 27th and that will be a five-day um, online promotion for our fall 2020 Gold Rush founders. So you'll be able to access exclusive discounts, um, buy their products, um, and get to know the stories of these invest- of these founders that we work so closely with.
3: Yeah, and just to add on there, I think me and Megan are truly uh, people who love to meet founders and investors and just that community and ecosystem in general. So if you guys want to reach out to us directly, i um, sure we'll send us emails or, you know, it's Miko and Megan at goldhouse.org. So feel free to email us. We'd love to chat with you guys.
2: Mm -hmm. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. If you go on the Gold House website, there is an option to subscribe. Well, it was amazing listening to both of your stories.
0: Do you you have any final closing remarks or any advice that you can give to our listeners? I think a majority of our demographic are aspiring entrepreneurs, people who are just trying to get started in their side hustle or side business. So if you guys have any closing remarks or advice for them, that would be amazing.
3: Um, Yeah, for sure. So, I think the advice I would give is there's no right way. I think uh, there's no right way to start. You know, I think that many people really hear that phrase, you know, there's never a good time, which is true. But I think there are so many other factors in pushing forward that will impede someone from doing that, from taking that leap. And I think it's more about taking that first step that will snowball into something new and magical. Um, You know, Ariana, Ariana Huffington talks a lot about the uh, uh, micro steps. And there's a ton of studies about its its strategies, its successes, and its benefits. But and I don't think it's much different here. I think it, the inability to really move forward, um, whether it's to start a company or make pivots within a company, uh, I think the more decision debt that you create, the fewer facts, knowledge, and pieces you really, really gain. Um, and again, this is not to really say to blindly move forward. Be smart and intentional about your decisions, but it's really important to understand that there will be waves that will take you to new heights and pivots, um, which will drive your business forward. So I encourage you guys to take that first step and then learn as you go from there.
2: My advice is pretty tactical. It's to practice storytelling. I think that this is the single most important thing that you can do as a founder, whether you are going to be you know, fundraising, um, pitching roles at your company that you want someone talented to come and work for you, um, convincing customers to buy your product or service, I think as a founder, you are constantly going to need to storytell. And I think that people may not always remember what you say or do, but if you are a compelling storyteller, they will always, always, always remember how you made them feel
1: absolutely agree with that yeah. well, thank you guys so much yeah. for being on the podcast today we learned so much and it's extremely enjoyable nice. thank, you much. Yeah. Thank, you, yeah, thank you so much for that
0: and thank you you two for all that you do and to the Gold House team as well for all the initiative that, that you guys are driving out for the Asian community mm-hmm. thanks, thanks for, for having, having, us. having us
1: hey guys we hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show
0: We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned.
1: Thank you guys so much.